Amen. So uh, the last time uh, I filled in, we uh, we ended at uh, chapter uh, six, Luke chapter six, verse thirty-six. So we're actually going to pick up in thirty-six. Usually we'd pick up in thirty-seven, but uh, you know when the scripture was originally written, it wasn't broken down for us the way we have in chapters and uh, verses and stuff like that. We did that for reference. So uh, to get into our study, it's it's proper for us to be able to back up one verse and start in verse thirty-six, so that we can set the context of our study. So uh, Jesus is giving a sermon on the plain, very similar to the Sermon on the Mount, but also different in some ways. So we talked about that the last time. So as he's continuing, he's he's speaking to his disciples, those that are following him. So as Christians, those that have have uh, accepted the Lord and are walking with him in our lives, this is also speaking to us. So it's important for us to understand these scriptures and apply them to our lives, just as his disciples back then we're able to hear them and apply them to their lives. And, and uh, it should have the same effect in our lives that it corrects us, that it changes us, and it points us in the direction of Christ and that we grow and to be more like him. So uh, in verse 36, the Lord is summarizing a, uh, a difficult topic. And uh, he says, therefore, be merciful just as your father also is merciful. He's summarizing the topic of loving your enemies. It's easy for us to hate their, their enemies and to, and to uh, not do them good and to not pray for them. Uh, those are the easy, the easy, the things that come to us in our flesh, right? It's very easy for us to say, that guy doesn't like me, that lady doesn't like me, so I'm not going to like them back. Instead, the Lord calls us to pray for them, to do good for them. And he even says, he explains to us, you know, if, if he's in need of help, if, if his, if his uh, livestock is stuck, stop and help. You know, that type of thing is going to restore that type of relationship, and, and it may uh, bring healing to it. If not, we've blessed them and we've helped them and we can move on, uh, being mindful not to be prideful about it, but just to be obedient and, and to walk. So uh, so that's where we're coming out of, but it's also it's, it's a continuation of the same lesson. So we may have stopped on that Thursday night, but we're continuing along the same path where it says, therefore, be merciful just as your father also is merciful. 37 says, judge not and you shall not be judged. Condemn not and you shall not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. So verse 36 has set the tone for us, and it's speaking to us as followers of Christ. And uh, as we we move into 37, it says, judge not. Now, I, I'm sure that uh, that we've seen uh, this, this scripture being spoken of, and uh, we've maybe even heard it, and it's probably been spoken to us by those that uh, that might be the only thing that they know from the scripture. And uh, and it's often quoted back, oh, hey, you Christians shouldn't judge. You were told not to judge. And uh, so it's often you know the, the only verse that they know very little or nothing else of the scripture, uh, and they're not, or, nor are they obedient to any of the scripture. So that judge not, one thing that I've noticed is, is most of the times that I've heard it is that person is a pretty judgmental person themselves. So uh, when I would have seen that, because... In in throwing that in somebody's face can often be a very prideful statement. So so it, with the pride with the pride comes judgment in our hearts. There's that prejudice, that prejudgment of of that person. So uh, it, it, the scripture what, what Jesus is saying here is judge not and you shall not be judged. Condemn not and you shall not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Christians are called to be fruit inspectors, though. We should be able to examine the fruit. 
obviously of our own lives, but in the lives of others. It, it's, it's something that when we look at somebody's life and we see the fruit, what is produced from that person. So if you look at a tree, the tree produces whatever it may be. And we're going to get into that in verse 43. But uh, we, we are called to be fruit inspectors. We, it, it, we should be uh, the person that can look and go, wait a minute, that doesn't line up with the scripture. So if we're grounded in the faith and we have the scripture as our background, then we should be able to compare what we see and what we hear from, from others' lives to know, hey, is this somebody that I can actually take counsel from? Is this, is this a believer? Because as the scripture warns us, Psalm, Psalm 1 is, is warning us you know, not to walk in the counsel of the ungodly. We should be walking in the counsel of the word. And uh, Psalm 1's awesome. Read it, memorize it. You, in our lives, we can apply that, uh, obviously apply any of the scripture to our lives every single day. Very practical psalm for us. So I highly recommend going, uh, read it, uh, know it, understand it, dive deep into it. Because there's a lot in there. We talk about the, the tree that's planted by waters. And you think about that tree planted by the waters, that it's well-nourished. And when something's well-nourished, it's going to produce good fruit. So you think of all those things, and there's a lot to learn in that. So, so know it. Uh, so we, we may not be called to be the judge, but we are called and to know and to be able to examine something and go, this is, this is godly, this is not godly, and then be able to, uh, to speak of the consequences that come with sin. So uh, somebody may say, hey, well, you can't talk about that sin because you guys, uh, you guys are told that you, you're, you're, you judge not, judge not, judge not. And I've mostly seen that, and I don't spend a lot of time on uh, social media or anything, but when I've seen, and I, I noticed uh, years and years ago that I can get easily wound up about something. You know, if I see a topic and you see people just, they're probably hitting their, their, their keyboards with a hammer, you know, just bam, bam, bam. And, you know, they're saying it that hard with the caps and the exclamation points and those things. Very easy for us uh, to, to get caught up in those things. It's, it, but it's also very important for us to realize that pride can come in that also. But we can speak of the consequences of sin. We can say, I, I, I may not be called to judge, but I am called to be a fruit inspector. And what I see here doesn't line up with the scripture, and I'm worried about you. There, there is a way, there's a way to, to uh, be able to disagree with somebody that doesn't have to be with a hammer on the keyboard. It can be done uh, very lovingly, very, uh, very gentle. Sometimes it can be a, a, a word that, hey, that absolutely needs to stop in your life. We may need to be um, harsh in our words in love. Um, just being harsh isn't going to do anything but build up a, a bigger fence in between us and them. But it also, if something needs to be said, we need to be able to and willing to uh, to say those things. That there are consequences to sin. There, there just are. Uh, I have several people that I know and love that uh, you know, in, in my in my family and uh, people that I know, the friends that have been uh, horribly addicted to drugs and alcohol. They know. They know the consequences of those things are death. They've seen it. They've seen. They've lost friends. For, from them and being able to say, I don't want that in your life because I love you. I'm here and I, I want to communicate. There is freedom in Christ and we can, we can share those things. It may not be drugs and alcohol. It might be pornography. It might be um, so many other things that we can get our lives wrapped, uh, just wrapped up in that will take us and draw us away. Whatever it is, there is freedom in Christ. And the message that we should have is not judgment. Like, Hey, you're going to hell. There you know that. You know, in, in their hearts, they know when something's wrong, but it's that message of grace and mercy that needs to be, that needs to be uh, 
just shared. We need to be able to share the mercy and grace that we've experienced rather than pounding the keyboard with a hammer. And might I say, don't make that. Uh, I, I, I highly recommend that you not make that your, your goal and purpose in life is just to get online and have a bunch of arguments on there. So just, just so you know, if I didn't make that clear already, uh, that's just where I've seen it the most. So I just wanted to share that. So the Bible is the authority for us as Christians. So when we're called, when we're, when we're living our lives out and, and we're reading through a, a scripture like this, this is, there's a lot to chew on in here. There really is. But where we take our authority, where we can stand in our lives, is the scripture. We don't have to stand on modern uh, thought and modern belief. We can we can take. We may be. I, 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 we were talking today. Uh, a few of us brothers were talking about being called fools for Christ's sake. Uh, and uh, Chuck Smith, uh, in his uh, his daily devotional, if you don't have it, um, it I think it says uh, Wisdom for Today is what it's called. You can download it. Uh, Oliver said, said that it's actually free on Kindle. All of his books are on there, so check it out. If not, pay the. 10 bucks or whatever it is and get that. It's a very short one-page devotional for each day. And he said, we, he, he said a scripture that has, has ministered to him in his life and had, Chuck Smith is now with the Lord, and uh, was, was a, a, a reminder uh, that was given to him, uh, something that was shared with him is, you're going to be a fool for somebody. It might as well be Christ. We may be called fools for Christ because we stick to uh, what was written 2,000 years ago and, and older. But it still reigns true. These these things are, you know, God doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, right? So we can cling to these things. Not that we should be doing so in pride. Not that we should be going, ah, you should be more like me. You know, those, those types of things. When we are sharing, we can't be prideful in our sharing because that's obvious. You know, it's very obvious when somebody sees us as we're sharing. Sharing in love. Sharing saying, hey, I've been there. You know, I, I was once walking in darkness. I once was was bound by that sin. What are we just saying? Who the sun sets free is free indeed. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. It is it is the power of the Holy Spirit living in us through what Christ did for us. So our, our mindset in sharing and, and in confronting sin should be one of love. There are times where we need to say this absolutely needs to leave from your life and 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 be uh, upfront about things and not not beat around the bush. But in love doing it instead of in prideful rage or whatever it might be. Uh, you know, you guys have heard the, the quote, you're going to catch more flies with honey, right? That, that type of thing. We uh, Going about things in a loving manner because just condemning somebody is not going to do any good. The world's already condemned. You know, if you look at John 3.16, 3.17, the world's already condemned. You know, and then we see that, that, that God sent his only begotten son, that we should be saved. For those that believe on him should be saved. It goes on to say the world's already condemned. The world's already and and in that sin and in we don't need to be convinced that in our uh, in our uh, cell of sin, whatever it is, however you want to say that, in that bondage, that we're in bondage. We know that. You know anybody who's been in bondage to something, whether believer or not, uh, knows that they're in bondage to it. If they don't know soon, now they will soon. Right? They may think there's freedom, but that freedom is fleeting, definitely. So we are called to love, but that doesn't mean universal acceptance. It doesn't mean that we have to accept those things, but uh, and we don't have to support that lifestyle or teaching. But we are called to love as Christians, and our 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 um, our conduct should reflect Christ's love. Verse thirty-seven uh, continues on and condemn not. 
Uh, if you would turn with me uh, to Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. Just taking a left in your Bible, just going back one, uh, sorry, two books. Just going backwards to Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. Verse 21, Matthew chapter 18 says, Then Peter came to him, Jesus, and said, Lord, how often shall I, shall my brother sin against me and, and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to seventy times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun settling accounts, to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had that the payment be made. Then the servant fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Then the master of the servant was moved with compassion, released him and forgave the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants and owed him that who owed him a hundred denarii and laid his hands on him and took him by the throat saying, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him saying, have patience with me and I will pay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what, what he had done, what had been done, they were grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you begged me. Should you not also have compassion on the fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And the master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Pretty potent. Pretty potent there. Peter's asking, how many times should I, should I, if somebody sins against me, should I forgive him seven times? And Jesus says, no, 70 times seven, 490. That's a lot of times. And that wasn't a definite number. It was Jesus using that as an example. What you think, so much more. Because what you receive is so much more. So much more grace and mercy in your life that you should be able to pass on to somebody else. We just read an example of that parable that Jesus was explaining of somebody who was forgiven a lifetime of debt that was demanded now. He, he says to the master, there's no way I can pay that. And that was going to have consequences on his wife and his children. Everybody was going to be brought into servitude because of that. He begged for mercy and received it. That mercy received should have changed his life. Instead, he goes back, grabs the other guy by the throat. You owe me 10 bucks. Or you owe me a minuscule amount of money. 100 denarii. You owe me this much. And the guy asked for the same mercy that this person was, was given, and he's not given it. So the other ones go to the master and say, didn't you just do this? Yeah, yeah, I did. And, and what Jesus is explaining here is that this man that, accept, that, that received the mercy and accepted it didn't share it. Instead goes and demands perfection from somebody else. 
It's a lesson for us there. It's a, a lesson in humility for us there. That once the Son has set us free, that should be the theme of our lives. Shouldn't be going around telling people, yes, we do need to have the message of repentance on our lives. But that repentant message should be shared in love. Instead of, I'm better than you. And you guys know when, when Jesus was explaining the Pharisee and the man broken over his sin. You know, the Pharisee saying, Oh, thank you, Lord, that I'm not like this man. You know, and then the other man can't even lift his eyes. And Jesus presents the question, Which one's forgiven? That pride can sneak up on us. As believers, because this is who he's talking to, should have the heart of humility, uh, mercy, and grace in our words and everything that we're doing. Those things should be present in our lives. We need to have those. James 2, I'm just going to uh, read it for you. You don't have to turn there. Uh, James 2, verse 13 says, For judgment is without mercy to the one that has, has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So the message of us should should have uh, uh, should be of repentance on the basis uh, being that mercy and grace from Christ is what's delivered us. Be able to share. I've been in that spot. I've been in that situation. And this it doesn't always just have to be in a in a conversation we're having with whoever in the future. This can be constant to our hearts and reminding us because we might not have a conversation with whoever it might be. It might be driving down the road, seeing the guy holding the sign. It might be driving down the road uh, or it might be walking by somebody uh, and, and, and witnessing something going, oh, what a loser. You, yep, that loser doesn't know Jesus. Just like you didn't know Jesus until God grabbed hold of our hearts. Very important for us to remember you know, where we've come from. Because so often we can look and go, you know, just like the disciples did. Lord, should we call fire down from heaven to take them out, right? Right? And Jesus, well, so, you know, he's got to settle them down. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. That's that's our pharisaical heart. You know, we can be just like the Pharisee dragging somebody else out into the street saying, this person was just caught in this sin. Let's, you know, that, that sin needs to be dealt with. Yes, sin does need to be dealt with. But if it's not dealt with with the grace and mercy of, of the Lord and it's coming from condemnation of us, that person deserves to go to hell. Yep, so do I. So do I. We all, we all do. Every one of us has, has, has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The standard is perfection. None of us can meet it. That's why the Savior came to die for us. That's why we can boast in his name. That's why we can sing these songs to him. Saw our need and met that need before we even knew it. Verse 38, it, it explains, um, Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Will be put into your bosom. For the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So, as we're considering giving, and now, if you just look at this verse by itself, you can think, giving. Okay, so if I give $5, this is talking about giving the forgiveness, giving the mercy, giving the grace. It's still in the context of what's being, what's being said here. So it's that constant reminder that, our, 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 that giving should be, the, just like we just read back in Matthew 18, that giving should be the forgiveness and mercy that we've, ex, that we've experienced in our hearts. Does that make sense? That give 
there is talking about that. Yes, we should be uh, very willing to give, to bless somebody in need. Absolutely. And the Lord is going to bless us for that. Try to outgive the Lord. That's a, that's, a, that's a great challenge to us, trying to outgive God, because he's always going to bless us more than what we've given up. We talked about that a little bit this morning. It was just a part of, uh, just a blessing to be talking about that. Verse 39, and he spoke a parable to them. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into the ditch? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. So the blind leading the blind, just using that as just thinking about that to physically lead somebody when you can't see there's danger in that, right? If you think both of you are blindfolded, you've got somebody with you and you're going through an obstacle course or whatever it might be. If neither of you can see there's the potential for great harm. It's a very dangerous situation. Not a wise situation to be in. Now, somebody who's blind could probably teach us a lot about hearing, teach us a lot about uh, how being able to listen for certain things that us, when we're, we don't have that, that uh, heightened sensory uh, in other areas, uh, might be able to say, hey, but did you hear this? Did you hear that? But somebody who can't see being the, the, the person leading, physically leading, that can be a problem. Spiritually leading could be a bigger problem. You know, if somebody doesn't have the proper sight given by God, now we're in trouble. Now we have somebody who doesn't have proper eyesight leading spiritually. We And for us, we're only seeing because we've experienced God's mercy and grace. When we're on the other end of that. I've always, uh, um, I don't know, I, I always laugh when I hear somebody say, I got 2010 vision. You know what? Pride, just the chest built right up. I'm like, because of your, you know, your your great ability, and and if you do have 2020, 2010 vision, awesome. There's a 10, yeah, 2010 vision, with where you see something that's 20 feet away and it looks 10 feet away. You know, I, that, that's nothing we can really personally really boast about. You know, we just kind of have it. You know, we haven't done anything with that. So there, uh, that mindset of you know that's that's a gift from God. You know, if you can see that, great, great. Uh, Use it for the Lord. Do something with it. You can see that well. I don't know what it is, but the Lord's going to minister, and He's going to, um, He'll use that. But uh, the blind leading the blind, uh, obviously, that's a uh, that's a recipe for disaster. And He goes on to say, a disciple is not above his teacher. So a disciple is taught in a certain discipline, and uh, they'll develop the characteristics of the teacher, is what the Lord's explaining. I I remember uh, uh, over in Washington State when. Uh, my wife and I were out there, um, 2001 to 2003. Uh, we were there, and uh, we were serving in a youth ministry there. And uh, I was an intern uh, under the assistant pastor, and he had kind of just said, "All right, well, you know, I'm gonna eventually, I'm just gonna, you know, you run, you run the youth ministry." So I, I did for a while, I was serving as a youth pastor there, and but for a while, I served under him. And he teaches how he was teaching me how he studies, and you know, hey, this is this is how you can reach, uh, you know, reach a teenager because it's not easy when kids are dragged to church on you know youth group and sometimes don't want to be there or whatever. And he just and and I learned a lot from him. And uh, when we would go somewhere, sometimes our youth ministry would do something with another youth ministry, and uh, and I'd shake a hand. Hey, I'm John. Da, 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 da. Are you are are you uh, you know uh, 
serving with with Tim Mason. Yeah, I, I can tell. I can tell it was evident. You know, he he was the one that was discipling me, and I had just as a result of being discipled by him was becoming more in my characteristics like him. That it was, you know, some things I'd say or I'd do a, a certain thing or how I how I'd um, say something or how I'd approach. Uh, somebody or whatever, it was it was just evident. And I'm sure you've seen that. You've seen it in your kids. We see it in our kids. Anybody who's a parent, you see it in your kid. Like, oh, good or bad, right? <laughs> good or bad because sometimes that's a good thing. And you're like, oh, okay, yes. They definitely got that from my wife because they didn't get that from me. You know, those types of things. So it's evident that someone who is being discipled isn't greater than their teacher, but they're going to reflect the characteristics of that that one that's teaching them, that's discipling them. For us, our character should reflect Christ. Christ should be what people see in us as we're continuing to submit ourselves to his word, to his leadership. Uh, those things should be evident in our lives. Verse 41. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not perceive the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, brother, let me remove the speck does in your eye when you yourself have a plank that is in your own eye. Hypocrite. First remove the plank from your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck that is in your brother's eye. Easy to do. Easy for us, as Will describes it, as plank eye. And I love, I, the first time, I'll never forget it. Will was describing plank eye, and he's saying, you got a plank in your eye, and everywhere you look, you're knocking things off the shelf, you're taking people out at the knees, and you're looking around, that it, it, it's harmful for people rather than helpful. I love that, exp that explanation and that example, because it was one of those things that stuck with me. I, I don't know how many years, it's, it's well over 10 years that he said that. But, and it got a chuckle out of the church, because it's funny, you know, but it's so true that we're going to be more destructive with plank eye then we are going to be when we move that plank and say, hey, let me help you out. I've experienced being delivered from whatever it is. Let me let me come talk to you. Let me let me let's pray together. Let's look at the scripture. Let's see how the Lord can can help you in this situation. Just being able instead of getting stuck in our own plank, eye, you know, being able to uh, to look at somebody with the with the right mindset. It's easy to, to point out everybody else's flaws. Uh, when we can justify it and overlook it for ourselves. Our sin always, we've, we've said this, Will said it, and I know I've shared it uh, after hearing it from him, our sin always looks worse when somebody else is doing it. Because we ourselves can justify, well, they're not in my situation, and if they only understood this, no. It's still the same sin. And have we made the, uh, the made it acceptable in our own eyes because we've, we've tried to justify it? Or have we bounced it off the scripture to learn wait a minute, that sin was destroying my life and taking me out of fellowship with God and leading me to death and separation from God for eternity. That's the result of sin. That's always the uh, the progression of sin. It looks like it's enticing. After we uh, follow our own desires, it turns into sin. And sin, when it's, it's full grown, brings forth death, James says. That's always the intent of sin is to is destruction of the individual. It's never to just, hey, sin just for a little bit. It's always consuming sin, isn't it? Hey, that was fun. It's fun for a little bit, and it takes over. And then we ultimately see the end result being death, physical, spiritual death. That's, that's the result of sin every time. It's, it's, if we follow that sin, that's going to be the result. Following any sin all the way down the line is going to lead 
to spiritual death and sometimes physical death. It's, that's what the scripture says. I'm not going to argue with it. It's important for us to remember the mercy experiences that we've experienced to heal our own eyes, and then we're able to help somebody else. Help them. Hey, let me let me get that splinter out of your eye. Let me help you by being able to see that. Not the blind leading the blind. Not the one with plank eye trying to lead the other one that can't open his eye. You guys have had something in your eye, right? I know I and I I uh, I try to remember just because that that's the worst feeling. Just having something on your eyeball, scratching it or doing whatever is the worst feeling. So and I've I've forgotten sometimes and I'm not a great mechanic or anything, but I've been under my vehicle and I remember you know we live in Maine and we have rust under our vehicles, right? And you hit something, you get rust in your eye, you are going to feel it. That takes one time and then you're going to say, wait a minute. You know, I'm going to have something over my eyes. I've, I've, I've talked with, with Josh out front and, and he'll say, oh, I got this in my eye or whatever. And, and, and he's experienced that. He, he can speak to that a lot more than I can. You know, when, when, when we've experienced those things, we, wait a minute. I have felt that discomfort. I have felt the result of that in my eye. This was the remedy and being able to share that remedy. So important in our lives. Verse 43, for a good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. For every tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from bramble bush. A good man out of a good treasure of his heart brings forth good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So we're known by our fruit. So now we can go back and, and after we just read that and look a little bit more at verse 37. We won't. But when you go back and you judge not, condemn not, need to be able to forgive. Because if those are the fruits of our lives, we're going to be able to build that relationship to be able to share. It's going to be evident in our lives that Christ is in our hearts. So where it says, for a good tree does not bear bad fruit. You know, what is the fruit, the fruit that's produced from our lives? Uh, it's good or bad. It's either going to be nourishing or rotten, one or the other. What the Lord is saying here is that it, it can't have, we can't have both coming from our lives. We can't have, well, this part's really good, but this part's absolutely rotten. There's a problem there. We can't have that. It, it, good fruit or bad fruit. And that's going to be based on what is feeding that. If that's, remember we talked about uh, Psalm uh, chapter 1, the tree that is planted by the rivers of water the fruit that's going to be produced by that versus the one that's not well watered or that's separated from a water source. That's not going to produce good fruit. Whatever fruit that's going to be in there is not going to be as well nourished as the other. And it's going to be bad fruit. There's it's, it's easy. That's an easy comparison. I'm all for the easy analogies in my life. I, you don't have to get too, too deep into things. Hey, let's get to the bottom line. Is this or this, you know, just that, that mindset. I like things kept simple. Because I'm simple, but uh, th that that simplicity, being able to see, okay, this one is well fed, uh, has plenty of water, it's getting plenty plenty of uh, sun, those types of things. That that tree is going to produce the good fruit. We have the water, we have what we need right in the Word, and if that is is what we're putting into our lives, if that's what's feeding us and that's what's providing for us and that's that's our source, then what we're going to have is good fruit. But when we're producing our own, uh, look look at what can come from it. If we're the source, then that's not going to be good fruit. 
the fruit that, that comes from the water, that comes from the Holy Spirit speaking to us, building us, strengthening us from the word, that's where we're going to get good fruit. For every tree is known by its own fruit. Any, any farmer, you know, it's apple picking season, you know, and if a farmer, somebody has an apple farm and they know that that tree is not producing, that tree, as, as described, you can look at Matthew, is going to be cut down and thrown, uh, thrown into the fire back then, or it might just be, you know, chopped up or whatever it's going to be. That tree's not going to stay there. Why should they spend their time on that tree when they've got all these trees that are, that are, uh, are healthy? I like here in verse uh, 44 that it says that we're not gathering other fruits. You're not, you're, you're not gathering um, figs from thorns, and we're not gathering uh, you know, grapes from bramble bush. You know, the, the apple tree produces apples, the orange produces oranges. The fruit we produce should reflect the name of the Lord and his word. That's what it should be. Our lives, it should be as evident in the lives that we live that we are a Christian filled with with God's love, God's mercy, and his grace. That should be evident to those around us. Versus, and this is, I, I've seen this, I've witnessed it, and I, I've heard other people talk about it, of somebody being injured by a professing Christian not speaking the truth of God in love and in mercy. Yes, the truth of God is that anybody outside of Christ that dies and hasn't accepted and has rejected Christ their whole life is going to hell just like we were. But we're offered that 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 same uh, that same freedom from the sin, the same forgiveness and 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 restoration that can come in Christ. That same offer isn't just to me. That that's that's to everybody. Christ came in the world to save sinners. That's what it says for all that may believe. But who whosoever John three sixteen whosoever. So when the scripture is heard. And when repentance is heard and when, when the gospel is preached, that's for everybody. And it should be evident that, yes, we've received that and we're sharing it because it has changed our life. You know, Jesus gave the example of who do you think is going um, to, to give more thanks? The one that's forgiven a lot or the one that's forgiven a little? Every single one of us ought to realize we are the ones. We may think, oh, I didn't do this sin. I didn't do that. So I'm not really as bad as that person. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we are. In our hearts, we are. Scripture says that our hearts are deceitfully wicked above all things. So we, we all have that wickedness of heart. We all do. Verse 45 says, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Verse 45, uh, so it's the treasure of our hearts. The treasure of our heart is what molds us. So what are we investing in? What are we feeding ourselves? Because what comes in is what's going to come out. That's what Jesus is saying here. If you would, uh, we're going to uh, turn, take a, take a right in your Bible. And we're going to go to Philippians chapter 4. So you're going to go past First and Second Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, and then you'll get to um, Philippians. My Bible, it's page uh, <laughs> 1034. Right? Everybody knows that uh, pages are different, but Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. The treasure of our hearts. 
So as we were just reading, you know, if it's good or bad, that's what's going to be evident in our lives. What, what is that treasure? So us as Christians are encouraged in verse 8. It says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. You know, what should we be filling our lives with? These things. Those are the things, the good things that we should be putting into our lives. All of those things are contained in the scripture. They're here. Now, if you take a right, just like a couple pages to the right, and turn to Colossians chapter 3, verse, uh, uh, verse 1. We studied this Thursday. Just keep going uh, toward the end of your Bible. And Colossians chapter 3 says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. Therefore, put to death your old members, which are on earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are put off are to put off all these things, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man, who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor, uh, slave nor free, but Christ is all in all. The two, good and evil, those two things, uh, if we are focusing on the things that are, uh, that are true, whatever things are, are virtuous, those things, there, there are two different things that we can set into our lives, that we can, we can invest in, that we can, that we can seek in our lives, those things that are of the, the past world. I mean, for a believer that has professed belief in Christ and has been baptized, that baptism isn't a, a mystical thing. It's just an outward expression of an inward change. That baptism is the old person dying and being resurrected in Christ. The freedom that is in Christ. If I'm going to be bound to anything, it's so much better to be bound to Christ because I know that there's true freedom that comes from that. Rather than bound by anything else that is just, just saying in here. Filthy language, anger, wrath. When have those things ever resulted in anything good? Ever. They never have. They never have. They just make us look foolish. If we're going to be fools, I'd rather be a fool for Christ's sake rather than known as, hey, look at that idiot over there punching the wall. I know somebody pretty pretty close to me growing up as a kid that was angry about something and, uh, and ended up punching the wall. Wall stud right behind where he punched. Boxer's fracture. Send his knuckle all the way back here. Not smart. That's a foolish thing to do. I'd rather do something that the world considers to be foolish, knowing that I'm one that was a sinful man that, that turned and followed Christ. And, and, and now that, uh, go ahead. Yeah, okay, I come to church on Sundays. And this is where I'm going to be on Thursday nights too. You know, great. That's, I'm just invest in the kingdom. And that's what's going to come out of us. So Jesus is saying that it's what comes you know, out of a man. And, and you may remember when 
the Lord was was speaking, saying it's you know what comes out of a man um, that makes them clean or or unclean. And it's the same thing here. But uh, the fruit in our lives is made evident by, evident by our words, James 3. So if you need to spend some time on James 3, if you can tame your tongue, you're in good shape in life. But it's extremely difficult. I'm just going to read uh, one verse to you from uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us and welcomed it, not as a word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. The word effectively works in our lives. When we accept it and we apply it, God effectively works in and through our lives. So that fruit should be evident of God working in and through our lives, not John just doing whatever I can do. It's, it's what God does. So meditating on the word uh, and the fruits of the spirit will be produced in our lives. Those fruits of the spirit, you're probably familiar with them from Ephesians, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Um, what we're full of is what's going to come out of our mouths. You know, for us as Christians, we're encouraged that that what we're filling our lives with is God, is is the Scripture. There's enough of what is, what's ever out there, and if if you just turn on the news, you can see what following our own hearts does. I mean, my goodness, it's just it's it's awful. It's awful how bad the news can be. You know, we got people dying here and there, and people doing this and that, setting fires here, and robbing these people, and just that's that's where where. Uh, following our hearts and following you know, what we want to do is going to lead us. I like God's plan a lot better. We're going to finish up here back in Luke chapter 6 by looking at verses 46 through 49. Verse 46 says, But why do you call me Lord, 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 and not do the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. When the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it, for it was not founded on the rock, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like the man who built a house on the earth without foundation, against which the stream beat vehemently and immediately it fell. And the ruin of the house was great. Now, what's our foundation? That's the importance of anybody who's a builder. Jason Kane's out front. You know, he's a builder, and he know he, he just he's a carpenter. And he, he, if we're building anything, you have to have something to build up from, right? You can't just go out with. I know, as a kid, oh my goodness, when we were trying to build tree houses, I it usually lasted for like three hours that day, and that usually consisted of taking like three boards, nailing them to 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 the trees and then not realizing that those trees are going to move. So we just got, you know, a couple two by fours and we did that. We we're trying to lay something over. We might have at the end of the day, got something we can stand on and maybe something that we can, you know, we throw something there we could climb up on, but then we're standing there and we'd lose everything and just say, it lose all, all the motivation to continue it and never really finish what we're building. 
but it was that putting that work in and and, and we wouldn't we wouldn't plan anything out we never looked at okay so how do we need to do this uh you know we have, have this done we need to have that done that way these things you know you have to square things up and uh, i'm not a carpenter um you know you, you have to have what you need okay so rochelle's nodding her head saying yeah we can tell so uh no it's it's one of those things that if we're building something we wouldn't want to go okay so how many of us have ever been to the beach right and you know that when the tide is low you know, that, that water's way away. So you start building the sandcastles and everything. But then at some point, you see the tide turning. And you see that coming in. And you're like, this thing's going away. You know, there's no way we're stopping this. It's that same type of mentality. We wouldn't want to go on the beach and build a house. doesn't make any sense. Now, my wife's over there saying, I'll take a beach house. She's from Carolina. <laughs> so, but, uh, but they, they, they do build it. They do have the, um, uh, they, they do it smart. You know, they'll put a foundation on, then you build a house up, of course, on, on stilts, which is hilarious. But, uh, um, but when you, when they're building, you have to have the foundation. You can't just start building on something. And especially here in Maine, the frost heaves and everything, whatever you built, if it's not on a firm foundation, it's going out. What the Lord is saying here is the foundation of our life needs to be him. We have to build our lives on him. Otherwise, we've got nothing but pain and destruction and everything. But what he does here in verse 46 is he, he, he says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? You can call me Lord all day long, but you're not, you're not obedient to me. This is, this is how you're conducting your life. You're either building properly or you're, you're building this where, hey, you may complete whatever you're building, but it's not going to stand. Whatever you've put your built your life on that's not on the rock, it's not going to stand. Because it says that the waters and the storm is vehemently going to hit that. Is it going to stand or not? You know, I, uh, if you look at it, you don't have to turn there. I'll read it to you. Malachi chapter 1 verse 6 says, A son honors, this is the Lord speaking, and uh, it says, A son honors his father, and a servant his master. If then I am the father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my reverence, says the Lord of hosts? To you priests who despise my name, yet you say, in what way have we despised your name? The question is, wait, wait a minute. And, and, and he goes on to explain to them, and he's saying, by your words and your works, by the way you live your life, you're not following what I'm telling you to follow. You're not, you're not honoring me. You're honoring me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. We've seen that in the scripture several times. We can stand and we can sing songs. You know, we can, we can easily praise God with our lips. But where's our heart? That's, that's the important thing. That's what Jesus is explaining here. You know, whoever comes to me and, and, and doesn't and isn't planning on building on the, on the foundation, on the, on the rock, we're, we're setting ourselves up. We're going to be in trouble. Uh, the Lord quoted in, in Matthew chapter 15, uh, quoted Isaiah. And he says, therefore, the Lord said, inasmuch as these people draw near to me with their lips, but have removed their hearts far from me. Not where I want to be. It easily can be there. We can easily be there. And we've talked about that before. It doesn't take much to drift. Just untie from the dock. And you will drift. We will, we will drift, all of us. We will drift because we're untied from the Lord. And we're just going to go wherever the tide takes us. The dangerous place to be. So those storms are going to come. They're going to be evident. You know, what are we built on? The rock, which is, is firm and strong and established, and we're able to stand when those, when those storms come. Or if we're following disobedience, there's disaster crumbling. There's destruction that's going to happen in our lives. Sorrow, catastrophe. 
I, I, I know that I've experienced in my life the sorrow that I that I can I can experience when I follow my own heart. Absolutely. I don't want that. I don't ever want that again. Never. No, I'll take the deny myself, follow after Christ. And I may not want to do it, but so much better to do it that way. So much better. So it's not wise to build on sand. Having a good foundation is vital. We need to build our lives on Christ, on his word, on his mercy, grace, and love. Those, the, what we're, we're finishing up this sermon on the plane because it says if you go back to, in the beginning of verse six of uh, chapter six it says that he stood on a, on a on a flat on flat ground is what it's explaining. Having active faith, go look at James chapter two. And active faith, faith without works is dead. So as Christians, we're not supposed to be. Yep, I got the check mark of of salvation done because I've said the prayer. Now I can just go do whatever I need to do. No, our lives should reflect our Master. Our lives should reflect the mercy and grace that we've experienced. We've been we're recipients of mercy, and we need to share it and uh, not become prideful and and hold it ourselves and point and go. Oh, you, I remember. You know, we need to remember where we came from. And Jesus is the example. His character is our goal. That's where we should be headed. And we're only we're not going to be able to get there because we really really want it. We need to continue to pray for His grace and mercy to bring us there because on our own we can't do it. There's it's it's impossible for us. We are sinful human beings. But if we're subject to the Lord and to His Word. That's how we're going to get to where we need to be. Amen? Amen. Would you stand with me and we'll pray? Oh, Father, we thank you for your spirit. We thank you that you lead us. God, we thank you for your word that we can, uh, we can read it and, and receive the instruction we need in our lives to keep us humble, to keep us connected to you. Lord, we don't ever want to drift. Don't want to be in that dangerous place. Lord, thank you that you laid down your life for us on the cross. Thank you that you saw the need and provided the way of escape for us, that we can be saved and redeemed. Outside of you, there's no hope. And we just we thank you in humility, Lord, and help us always to remain humble and understanding where we came from, that we can lovingly and gracefully share with anybody that you that you open doors for us to be able to share the gospel with in love, grace, and mercy, remembering where we came from. Lord, we are no better even today than anybody else. Our only thing on our account, the only positive thing on our account is your perfection, your grace, your mercy, your blood that makes us acceptable. Thank you for loving us while we were still sinners that you died for us. We pray, Father, that you would help us to have good fruit coming from our lives, that when people uh, around us, our family members, our friends, our co-workers, uh, people go to school with whatever it may be, that you would be what they see and that, that you would be what they experience and that we would be blessings. Lord, we're not called to just be running around lopping off ears. We're called to be blessings to those around us, to pray for those lovingly share your word with them that they might receive redemption. In Jesus' name, we ask that you be with us, protect us, be with us as we go about the rest uh, our, our week in front of us. Use us, Lord. Build us and strengthen us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.